Welcome to Horror Struck. What's up, horror fans? Welcome back to Horror Struck, a horror commentary podcast where we look at the genre through the lens of a diehard fan and of a scaredy cat. I am Riley Ott. I am joined by my co-host and best friend, Cecilia Tolbert. This week, we took a look at the 1985 Tom Holland, no, not that Tom Holland, film Fright Night. Spoiler warnings for anyone who has not seen 1985's Fright Night. There will be many spoilers. So, Riley, what's what's new? What's up? Nothing. I, same as always, go to work, come home, think about recording this podcast. Play Fall Guys. We did do that this week. That was very fun. That was fun. I played it for the first time. Yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it. It's such a goofy game. I love those guys and how they fall. I like that you don't need a lot of skill level for it. That's why I like it so much, because you've seen me play video games where you need some sort of skill, and I can't aim, I can't do anything fancy, but I can run and jump. Oh, exactly. I can't do shooter games like Call of Duty Things like that. I, I get way too frustrated at how bad I am. Yeah, like when you and I have played Left 4 Dead a few times, I had to play with the axe because I could not figure out how to aim anything to shoot the zombies. Hey, sometimes blunt weapons are just more fun. Not as practical, though. You gotta get real close to those zombies. Yeah, you want to see the light relieve their eyes. Oh. Was that dark? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I, I guess what I really should say is, Happy Halloween! Happy Halloween month! I did a bunch of shopping. I got many things from Spirit Halloween and TJ Maxx and Target. Yeah, you just sent me a bunch of pictures and it all looks very fun and spooky. Uh, I have a problem. I can't stop. I know. Every year this happens. I just love decorating. You're very good at Halloween decorating and it looks very fun. I'm like the spooky Martha Stewart. (gasps) Ooh, you really are. That is a perfect description of you. Oh, I had a movie recommendation for this week. (gasps) Yes. Yeah, I watched this movie currently on Hulu called Little Monsters with Lupita Nyong'o and Josh Gad. I thought you meant that. The Fred Savage movie. Yeah, with Howie Mandel. (laughs) I text Brandon to tell him to watch this movie and he goes, wait, the one with Fred Savage? I was like, no, not that. I saw the trailers for it. I just, I just never got around to watching it. I liked it a lot. It was very good. It was very my kind of humor. And it was also surprisingly heartwarming. I really liked it. I had a good time. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, definitely. Oh, there is something I started watching and you're you're going to have to start watching it so we can talk about it on the podcast. Oh, uh, what is it? Lovecraft Country. Have you started it yet? Oh, no, I haven't. Okay, it's on HBO, right? Yeah, it's so good. Michael and I started watching it. It looks really good. Also, I was listening to another podcast. I was listening to The Untold Hour, and they had an episode recently where they talked about the first episode, and I had no idea that H.P. Lovecraft was a big old racist. Yeah, that's the only thing I know about him. That's why every time you've brought him up on the podcast, I've just stayed quiet, because I'm like, the only thing I have to contribute is he was racist motherfucker literally the only thing i know about hp lovecraft i know cthulhu and i know i think it's elder signs because he's got arkham horror those board games and all i remember is that in college i attempted to play elder signs with a couple friends and it's a really long game we played it for like eight hours and then realized we had been playing it wrong the whole time i remember that i think i'm gonna look more into him i know they have a companion podcast with lovecraft country but i think he sounds 
really interesting the way that he was very problematic. Oh, fuck. Oh, ah, are you fuck. are you okay? Yeah, there's a giant spider. Oh, Hold on. Yeah, yeah, kill it. I don't like daddy long legs. Hold okay. On. Let me. Oh. Fuck. Ugh, fuck. Oh my god. Please die. Oh my god. Is he dead? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, are we... Oh no, sorry. It crawled right across my notes and scared the shit That's... out of me. That's. Yeah, I 100% would have had the same reaction. I'm fine with little spiders, but that was so fucking big that scared the shit out of me. Got your energy levels up for the podcast. I kept yawning, but now I just have a big rush of adrenaline. I have no idea what we were talking about. Oh, we were talking about Lovecraft Country, so... Oh, he's a fucking racist. Okay, yeah, yeah, I am excited to listen to the companion podcast that goes along with it, but I, I think the idea of taking the idea of Lovecraft and seeing it through a black-slash-African-American lens is really interesting, which is kind of what the show is doing. Yeah, that's... I wondered, because I saw that... The whole cast or the majority of the cast looked like black actors. Yeah, and it's from Jordan Peele's company. I, I don't know how much Jordan Peele has to do with it. I'm assuming a lot because he seems like a very hands-on producer from what I've read, but he is, I think he's executive producing it. I have no idea. I'd have to look into anything about it. I've watched like a trailer and it looks really fun. But so far it's pretty good. As someone who just didn't really know anything about um, H.P. Lovecraft, but now that I know he's actually a racist, it's kind of crazy to think of how influential he was but how terrible what he made was yeah the only work of his i and i'm not familiar with at all i just know like he's the what's his name to what how do you say it oh cthulhu cthulhu thank you yeah but highly recommend the show they have four episodes out right now i think they said it's gonna be 10 episodes and then I think they're not making any more. Like, so it's going to be a contained season. So it's just like a mini series that they're doing? You could say like a limited series because they're not extending it. I'll have to let you know how the how the companion podcast is. But I'm hoping they talk more about the like racial themes in H.P. Lovecraft's work and how they kind of flipped it on its head. So I'll let you know the more I know about it. I think we should do just a whole episode on our, all of our uh, favorite racists. That's not... <laughs> I'm sure there's so many in the horror genre. Ugh. Why are they always killing the black person first? I don't know. Mainstream film in general has not been a very friendly space for diversity. But you're seeing a slight change. There needs to be more, but at least there's something and people are actually talking about it. I think that's all I wanted to talk about in our chat up front. So overall, Fright Night, what did you think? I liked it. I thought it was a good time. I thought that it was a good break from the, like, slashery stuff that we've been watching. It was just a very fun monster movie. Yeah, I love Fright Night. It's a lot of fun. It's a very, very good Halloween movie. It's a good thing to watch right around Halloween time. And it's a very, like, 80s movie. So it was kind of fun for just, like, nostalgia purposes, I guess. Not that I was alive in the 80s. Oh, it's one of those movies that if someone were to show you it and not tell you what decade it was from, you could point out 80s. It was very 80s. Literally all of it. Like the score, the clothes, the way they talked. I liked it. I know you liked it because of how you reacted last week when I picked it. Yeah, I, I love Fright Night. And we watched it together. I feel like we had a really, really good time watching it together. Yeah, I think it was a really good movie and good movie just to do in general for like a Halloween movie night. It's nothing that you have to like pay too much attention to or anything that's going to be too terrifying. It's just a lot of fun. 
a lot of really good effects, a lot of fun acting and the music. It was very like bassy and like this is an episode of SVU. I liked how it sounded a lot. Yeah, it was very much all the, it felt like the music that uh, they decided to cut out of Law and Order. Well, I think I read that the guy who did the score, I didn't write his name down, but he did the score for like the Terminator movie as well, which I've never seen. His name is Brad Fidel? Fidel? Yeah, he did the first and second Terminator films. I kind of want to watch him now just for that. What kind of vibe are the Terminator movies going to give? I think that you will really, really like watching Terminator 1 and 2 together because you will love Sarah Connor. She is one of my favorite heroines in film. I think that's all I had to say about the music, though. I really liked it. It was cool. Yeah, I mean, I guess the only thing generally I'd probably want to talk about, and we'll talk about it as we go more into the plot, but the special effects and makeup in this movie are fucking awesome. They're so good. Really good. I mean, especially the transforming from a wolf back to a human. Oh my god, that was incredible. That, I think, was my favorite part of the movie. That was awesome. Poor evil. I don't know. That dude was made to be a vampire. Like, he was born to turn into a vampire. I love evil. He is the weirdest person. He's so manic. I think you're right. That is the perfect word to describe him. He just, he's all shifty-eyed and crazy the entire time. Like, even before he's a vampire. Personality barely changes. He was always meant to be a vampire. He just hadn't been one yet. I'm really glad that got to happen for him. Let's go ahead and dive on into the plot of Fright Night. So it starts off, uh, you get your basic opening credit. You see the camera kind of track through the neighborhood a little bit. And then you go up into Charlie's house through the window, and then you get a long shot of the TV and the Fright Night movie that's playing. We get that meta moment where we've got this spooky vampire movie opening with a spooky vampire movie playing on the TV. I like that a lot. That was cool. All the Fright Night stuff I think they do is really, really enjoyable. It reminds me a lot of all the hammer horror that was being made between like the 50s and the 70s. The what? So there was a film production company who made a bunch of gothic horror and like B-horror movies between like the 50s and the 70s. And it was Hammer Film Productions, I think. I always just call it Hammer Horror because it's definitely got a style. Like once you see one Hammer film, you can kind of pick them all out. But um, you know how Christopher Lee played Dracula? Christopher Lee, that's the guy that played um, Sauron, right? Yeah. You've probably seen clips or like a picture of him as Dracula. Maybe. That's probably one of their most popular films. But they got a lot of popularity because they remade. I don't know if remade is the right word, but they made the Universal Monsters. So Dracula, Frankenstein, The Mummy. They remade them, but they remade them in color, and they remade them with, like, this really gothic, heightened sensibility. So there's a lot of blood and stuff like that. Is it, like, how the Universal Studios tried to remake all that stuff when they started with The Mummy? They did that, but successfully? Yeah, because they were kind of low budget, but they were really big crowd pleasers, and they almost got in trouble for doing... I think it might have been Frankenstein first. But they pretty much had to tell Universal that, like, because all these characters, they don't belong to Universal. Universal just made movies with them. So, like, Dracula, Frankenstein, they can take them, but they just have to make sure the story's different. So they kind of did that. Oh, like, the characters are public domain, but the story themselves are not? Yes, thank you. 
They just pretty much couldn't make it too similar to Universal because if they did, Universal could sue them. Okay. I always thought that Peter Vincent, who is the host of Fright Night, was very Vincent Price, but I never realized, and I I looked this up because I had a feeling, he's actually a combination of both Vincent Price and Peter Cushing, who was in a lot of Hammer Horror films. Okay, I know who Vincent Price is. I don't know who Peter Cushing is. For most people, his probably most popular role was he played Tarkin on Star Wars. Oh, I know who that is. As much as he's really well known for his Hammer Horror films, he's really only known for those if you've seen them or if you know about Hammer Horror. Almost everybody knows him from Star Wars. So they did an amalgamation. So they combined Vincent Price as a character and Peter Cushing as a character and paid like an homage. Wait, Peter Cushing is the one that in Rogue One, they did that really weird CGI of him because he's been dead for years. They did too much of it. Yeah, it didn't look right. Like the Carrie Fisher one, I could forgive because I'm not used to seeing her that young. Because it was short. Well, and I've been just used to seeing her as like an older person for so long that I was like, sure, that's passable. I don't care. Then again, with COVID, maybe this is how we're going to have to make movies from now on. We'll just recast every dead actor. Can we talk about Charlie's room? It is insane. Well, it's decorated, I think, exactly how a teenage boy who doesn't know interior design would decorate. Like a fucking steering wheel on your wall for no reason, a girl's locker room sign. What else was even in there? There was a Corona beer light sign. I don't understand. Uh, Coors beer. Was it Coors? Yeah, it was. I recognize the weird cursive. Those aren't cheap, right? I don't think so. I feel like they're pricier than like what a teenager would have but also he was what 16 17 you could probably drink when you were 18 and 85 but i mean i guess teenagers drink well who at like 17 has a preferred beer of choice and not just the cheapest beer you can buy yeah why would i have drank so much natty light if i had a choice to drink anything else yeah so charlie's room is insane his room is completely crazy And for whatever reason, these teenagers have decided that they're going to make out on the floor instead of the nice comfy bed. Yeah, is that a thing that people do? They just, they had a bed. His mom's downstairs and we meet her later and she seems very chill about them being up there alone. Well, she seems to almost know they're having sex and just not care. She kind of is pushing it on them because she starts about talking about them like getting married and Charlie has to go, mom, we're in high school. Yeah, it's real weird. Maybe she wants Charlie to knock Amy up and trap. Pin it down. Uh, One of the things I really like about this movie is how dramatic the teenagers are. This movie reminds me a lot of watching a well-acted high school play. Oh, I think that's interesting, too, because from looking up what some of the actors had done prior to this, a lot of their background was in Broadway. So I think that definitely shows. I think that definitely shows. But they're so much fun. The way they banter back and forth, they're always either together or breaking up. I feel like they're always on the cusp of breaking up and getting back together. And I feel like Amy cares a lot more than Charlie. He's very preoccupied trying to prove to everyone that there's a vampire in town. Yeah, Charlie is definitely noticing things more than his peers and mother are, but he 
approaches it in a way that is just insane. Well, and I feel like they treat him almost like the boy who cried wolf, that he just is so obsessed with this Fright Night thing and all this horror stuff that they're like, okay, Charlie's finally lost his mind and he's starting to believe all of this crap that he watches. We're just going to humor him. I guess we don't really get to see him before he kind of loses his mind. We see him a little bit. He seems to be a little more chill than what he is when he pretty much discovers that a vampire is living next door to him. No, you're right. We really don't get to see anything because the very first scene is Amy and Charlie making out on the floor. Just sucking face. Yeah, ugh. Like horny teens. They took the time to put all the pillows on the floor. Right, just stay on the bed. It's right there. They don't want maybe the mom to see right away when if she were to come in, but she doesn't seem to care. And they're not hidden that well, so even if she did come in, she'd still see them. I think that would be way more obvious, though. If you walk in and these two kids are supposed to be studying and now you can't see them anywhere and then they kind of pop up from the floor. Oh, we dropped a pencil. We're both searching for all of our homework. No, we really don't get to learn anything about Charlie before they jump right into making out and then straight to him seeing them drag Jerry's like coffin into the house next door. Yeah, I think it's because of all the horror he watch he watches, he's immediately suspicious. Which, to be fair, if that were to happen to me, I think I without the going crazy about it, but I would also be distracted and be looking out the window at someone just carrying a coffin into the to the house next door. Does he even know? at that point that someone has bought it? I think he does because I know he talks to his mom about someone moving in next door and like the line about how the new guy next door has a live-in carpenter and my luck he's probably gay. His mom is so sad and single maybe that's why she wants Charlie and Amy to get married and like have kids because she wants to live vicariously through them. No I think the mom wants to continue to be young and hip and not have to be a grandma. Be a hot cougar grandma. Going back to Amy and Charlie and their high school, very dramatic teenage relationship, this whole scene of them upstairs focuses around whether or not they're going to do it. I love that it comes at a moment where Charlie gets distracted and goes to the window and is looking at the coffin outside. And as he's doing that, Amy like like shimmies out of her clothes down to her underwear and then awkwardly lays in the bed and is just waiting. And <laughs> she's like... You want to make love to me or not? Yeah, that was a very funny line. These kids are insanely dramatic. And who talks like that? You don't say make make love? Ugh, not without gagging. Did it used to be more popular in the 80s? I don't know. Should I go ask my mom right now how many dudes she was making love to in the 80s? I mean, I just assume it's probably because they are so dramatic. That is probably why that word choice happens. That does make sense. Amanda Beers plays that role so well. She's so dramatic, but so funny. They're all so funny. And we'll get to Evil. Evil was probably my favorite character. Yeah, I think between him and Jerry. I also really like Peter. Yeah, they all play their roles very, very well. They storm downstairs and they're having that fight directly next to the mom about whether or not they were going to have sex. And the mom's just completely ignoring them. But she's within earshot, like well within. She's five feet away. She's been awakened downstairs and they were just going to have sex with her just right downstairs. That's so weird to me. If you can be quiet enough, I guess it's fine. I suppose. I just feel like it's one of those situations where maybe Charlie has a lock on his door, but your parent could essentially open the door at any moment. But maybe that's the fun of it. The thrill of it. Making love with the doors open. 
But yeah, I think that's all that happens that night, right? I don't think so. I think we just get them talking about the new guy moving in next door and Charlie freaking out about the coffin. Yeah, and of course, this is the first of many times that nobody believes him. But then again, he he doesn't seem like a very believable person. No, he also seems a little bit manic. So they're at school and you get to officially meet Evil who I think is hilarious. So when we meet him, first of all, I thought his name was Weevil for the first like 10 minutes that he was there because I just did not realize they were saying Evil. Yeah, I think that's just kind of a weird nickname. They never really tell me why that's his nickname. Because when he's on screen at first, I thought that they're all like best friends and him and Charlie hang out. But then later you find out that Evil is kind of like a pariah and everyone's making fun of him and no one likes him. I like him. I know he says why people start calling him evil, but I think it has to do with his fascination with horror because when Charlie's kind of at his his wit's end and he's pretty sure that there's like a vampire next door, the person he goes to is evil and evil is the one who tells him all the vampire lore and that he'll be fine as long as Charlie doesn't invite him in. Oh, and then his stupid horny mom ends up inviting that hot vampire in anyway. Yeah, Evil had a lot of really good tips on vampire killing, too. Yeah, it does seem like they kind of went with the Dracula route for what vampires can do. Yeah, a good classic. If you know nothing about vampires, you probably at least know the thing about, like, wooden stakes and crosses and holy water. Yeah, in the sunlight, yeah. And then later on, when Evil transforms into a wolf... That was something, because you've never read Dracula, that I was like, yeah, they do it in the book. Yeah, I was very confused when that was happening, because Jerry turns into a bat a couple times in the movie, but the wolf thing, I was like, oh, is he a werewolf? How would a vampire turn someone into a werewolf? That's definitely a part of vampire mythology that a lot of modern-ish vampire lore doesn't really use anymore. So should we talk about how Jerry is the most inconspicuous, conspicuous vampire of all time? So when he gets invited in and he is hanging with Charlie's mom, I like that, first of all, he's drinking a Bloody Mary. What else was he doing? He kept making, like, a bunch of vampire-like puns and dropping hints about how he's definitely a vampire because Charlie has already seen him eat a prostitute before this. We might want to talk about that first. Yeah, so Charlie gets home. After school, Amy's still mad at him, and this very sexily dressed lady comes up to him and is like, is this whatever house number? And he goes, no, it's next door. Clearly, Jerry has hired a prostitute to eat in a vampire way, not the other way. Maybe both. He looks like he was getting pretty freaky with this sex worker lady. The thing about Jerry, though, is I don't know, especially like his scene, his weird, weird scene with Amy later when he like turns her i feel like he's not actually doing anything sexual like the act of biting is the sexual part and i guess in a way you could interpret it as that like that's his his version of penetration that was the exact word i was going to use too so he gets home from school and meets the sex worker lady and then it just skips straight to charlie upstairs like looking through his binoculars doing his like little rear window thing and watching oh my gosh that's what i wrote down too i was like this is very rear window i've never even seen that movie don't tell anyone we'll have to put it on the list no what happens is there's that diner scene i don't think it's that important but he goes in and talks to his mom for a minute and then he's like i'm gonna go study and she's like you study oh i did write down why does everyone think charlie's so dumb 
I think he has his homework with him. He goes to the diner, and that's where Amy comes, and they start to reconcile again. And then you get the news bulletin of all the prostitutes that have disappeared. But at this point, we know that Jerry is a vampire, and we know that the girl on the screen is the same girl that he saw walk into Jerry's. Because he he had a feeling that the girl was a prostitute and sees that she's one of the people that are missing. That's when he goes back to the house and he tries to break into the cellar. Like he's got one of those outdoor cellars and the roommate catches him. The quote unquote roommate. Yeah, there was a lot of gay subtext in this movie. Yeah, his live-in carpenter. It's got a lot of wood. Is that a thing? No, I don't think it's a thing. Like I understand like if he's a rich guy having like a live-in chef or like a butler or something, but a carpenter? The thought is maybe the house is run down, so he's there to work on it, but yeah, it's weird. And he also doesn't introduce himself as the live-in carpenter later when Charlie gets the cops. He says, I'm his roommate. What a weird thing to do, though. Like, you suspect that this neighbor is a murderer, so you're first instinct is to break into his house wouldn't you believe that you are in danger why would you do that the only thing i can think of is maybe he thinks that the girls if the neighbor did do something maybe are still alive oh like he was going to free them and they were like the mole women or something living in the wine cellar he's just a stupid teenager that shouldn't be doing that and he gets caught surprise surprise and i think that's probably the first thing that tips off neighbor that this kid's gonna be a problem from there is when you get the he's for sure watching the house now because he thinks the way that i think his name is billy his like familiar or whatever it is jerry's but it seems that the roommate made charlie even more suspicious so now he's watching the house all rear window style and you get that great scene of essentially charlie is being a creepy mccreepersons and Jerry, the vampire who would like to stay hidden, who leaves all his curtains open, decides he's gonna have sexy times with what I assume is another prostitute. And he pretty much shows his fangs to Charlie, who now knows, oh good, the neighbor's a vampire. Right, if he's trying to be discreet about being a vampire, he's doing a terrible job. He is the most indiscreet, discreet vampire I could imagine like his big point is he's trying to kill Charlie because Charlie knows he's a vampire. But then later on, there's a whole dance scene where he shows that he's a vampire to the whole club. Maybe he just thought this whole club is on LSD. Probably they won't think twice. They'll just think they're having a really bad trip simultaneously all 200 of these people but he shuts the 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 curtains then right yeah he makes like full eye contact with charlie he like licks this lady's neck makes full eye contact with charlie and then like kind of sexily pulls down these blinds it was very bizarre but also chris sarandon is the hottest vampire i have ever seen oh he is yeah yeah he's sexy that was some good casting he looks hella fine in a turtleneck something i find funny about him like licking the neck and then shutting the curtains or the blinds i don't remember it's it's like when you get caught doing something you're not supposed to so you kind of just try to like do something else to make it look like no no that's not what i was trying to do i was actually doing this i wasn't gonna bite this lady i was just gonna lick her sexy sexy neck there's a point where he goes outside oh it's because they're moving the body 
he sees them being all sexy and then the next thing he sees jerry do is move this rolled up body into the garbage are they rolling it are they putting it in a car oh maybe i honestly was not paying that much attention it's the same night right yeah it's the same charlie runs to get his mom his mom doesn't believe him i think he goes back and sees them moving the body so he runs downstairs and he hides outside and they clearly know where he is because goddamn jerry and his apples he just decides to bite an apple like almost all the way through and then throws it at him that was weird he ate like the core of the apple it was really funny when riley and i were watching watching this together because he does this all movie like in my notes i literally just have apple 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 written because he just eats apples all the time i pointed it out and riley was like oh it's because he's part fruit bat and i thought that riley had made a really funny joke so i kept laughing about it and then later i found out that no no riley was just telling me a fact and i just assumed it was a joke yeah it was the first piece of trivia that i read and i wanted to just let you keep laughing and pretend that i'm hilarious but i felt too guilty it just seems like the actor refused to put his apple down so they just worked it into the script well and i think that's what it said was that chris sarandon himself decided that jerry had a lot of fruit bat in his dna so he just made an artistic choice it was like i'm just gonna eat an apple during my scenes how does one have a fruit bat in their dna because isn't the point of the vampires is just they can transform their shape right like that does imply that at some point someone in your ancestry fucked a bat can vampire have babies in this world because maybe he had an ancestor vampire who as a bat had sex with a bat oh a vampire bat had sex with a completely normal bat and then vampire bat gets pregnant and gives birth to jerry yeah like imagine if renesme was a half bat person i can't imagine that that seems absurd enough to be written into twilight that was pretty much it from that scene because he throws the apple at him and like right before that his mom had come out on the porch looking for for him and he like grabs his mom and he's like get back inside God, he really just seems crazy to all of these people oh he just slowly and slowly goes further and further into insanity i wouldn't probably say slowly i would say quicker and quicker into insanity yeah they really don't give this kid a break i do think it's funny that when charlie decides that i know what i'll do i'll call the cops he eventually tells the police officer that his neighbor is a vampire instead of just i'm not gonna tell him that because that will make me look like a crazy person. Well, I don't think he wanted to at first because he calls and he's like, hey, I have some information about these missing girls that have been decapitated. I guess they're not missing. They found them. He goes inside and Billy roommate guy is kind of making a joke out of all the things that Charlie is saying. And he eventually just gets so fed up that he's like, listen, the guy's a vampire. And they kind of just laugh it off. And the detective just decides, yeah, screw this. This kid's crazy and drives off. Let's talk about how crazy the inside of Jerry's house is. The interior of that house is insane. I didn't know what I was looking at half the time. I want to know how in the hell this house got built in this neighborhood. It looked like like a haunted house attraction. So many clocks. Yeah, the like big wall of clocks, which I didn't realize when they showed me at first was, oh, this is to tell Jerry when the sun is coming up so he can go and hide. It makes me think that something must have happened in the past that he needs so many clocks because usually you probably they have like maybe two backups but did billy fuck up so bad he's like fine i'm gonna put 20 clocks on the wall do all those clocks have an alarm 
feature? And does Billy have to adjust them every day? Yeah, it does look like they're all like some sort of... Like cuckoo clocks. Yeah, or like grandfather clocks or stuff like that that you have to wind at some point. Just buy two of them. It'll be fine. Buy a one that you plug into the wall and buy a battery one. I don't know. You'd think it's 85. We're probably technologically advanced enough at this point that you could just buy a regular like radio alarm clock. We get to see that Jerry has a like an old painting of Amy. Or yeah, or of someone who looks very, very similar to Amy. They never explain. No, they just go from, oh, here's some old timey picture of some lady to I'm gonna fuck Amy or turn her into a vampire. I guess he doesn't. Well, he might fuck her. I don't know. Maybe this is another Dracula reference. Yeah, I don't know anything about Dracula. But that doesn't matter. It's foreshadowing. Amy's gonna become a vampire. No. After Charlie has lost the help of the police, he decides the best next option is to go see my sort of friend, Evil, Evil Ed, and have him tell me about vampires so that I can protect myself. Yeah, and he's got some really good tips on vampire hunting. He gives him the cross that Charlie uses throughout the rest of the film. Yeah. I can't remember all the advice he gave him, but yeah, gives him the cross. I know the big point of it is that he it's setting up the joke of as long as you don't invite him in, you'll be fine. And then it cuts to him coming in the house and then his mom has invited the sexy, sexy vampire in. We all would have done the same thing. I do like that his mom is all dressed up and dolled up. She's like, yes, a man. Yeah, a really hot vampire man. Score. Is the next thing that happens as he attacks him? Yeah, it's that night. When he's um, been invited in, he keeps telling Charlie, like, now I'm just going to stop by whenever I want because I can come in and you can't do anything about it. Yeah, so he wakes up later that night and he hears a noise, which of course ends up being a branch scraping against a window because nobody knows how to trim their trees in horror movies. Ooh, it's that poltergeist tree all over again. The tree's like, get out of there! The vampire's coming! Oh no, he was trying to help. Jerry gets in because his mom invited him in, so he makes his way in through the mom's room and somehow jimmies the door shut. Yeah, I didn't understand that. The mom's door opens out, so he like pulls it so that the door frame breaks, but wouldn't that just make it looser so that she could get out easier? Yeah, I I think that's a, this is a vampire movie, suspend your disbelief moment. He essentially locks the mom in the room so she can't come help, which, I mean, if he's going to kill Charlie, why doesn't he just kill the mom too? I don't get it. Well, I don't think he initially wanted to kill Charlie because he comes in and he makes him a deal where he's like, hey, forget what you saw and I'll leave you alone. And Charlie's basically like, fuck you, dude, and stabs him in the hand with a pencil. No, I think he stabs him. It's after he's like getting strangled that he stabs him with the pen. That's the only reason he leaves. Oh, okay. Right, because he's got him like half out the window and he's like, hey, if I shove you out of this window, you're going to be impaled by this picket fence. You better knock it off, kid. I wonder if maybe the thought of him not killing the mom is just killing one person is already suspicious, but killing both of the people that live in that house, probably going to draw some attention to you and he probably doesn't want that much. Yeah, I guess so, because at this point he's only killing anonymous people. Sex workers, yeah. Right. He's killing people that the cops wouldn't necessarily give a shit about. Unfortunately. Yeah, I forgot he made the deal. Charlie's like, no, and then they kind of tussle. I think Charlie's going to scream. I think he's going to scream for his mom. And then Jerry, like, grabs him by the throat and is like, shh, be quiet. And then he bangs him against the wall and throws him into the closet. And I'm like, 
your message here is so mixed, sir. You would like to be quiet, but you are making the biggest noise. Yeah, it didn't make any sense. Like, that would have woken her up more than if Charlie had screamed. The effect when he takes that pencil and stabs him in the hand, fucking awesome. It looks so good. And then the makeup you get with, like, him vamping out, I guess is a way to say it. Oh, yeah, once he stabs him and then he turns and he's not that hot anymore. The way they did all of the makeup and prosthetics and stuff for these characters, especially later on in the movie, is awesome. Since we're talking about special effects... I didn't know if you looked this up, but the guy who was ahead of the special effects and makeup for this movie, his name is Richard Edlund. Before he made his own special effects company, which is called Boss Films, which I think is great. He worked on Star Wars. He worked on um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. And he worked on Poltergeist. But when he created his own company, they did Ghostbusters, Big Trouble in Little Chinatown. They did Die Hard. They did Air Force One. I've seen one of those movies. He's got some skill and he's got some good credits before his company and some good credits with his company that he made. Yeah, I think of all of the things we've watched when they've done like monster demonic things, this is definitely the highest rated visually for me. Yeah, the special effects in this are insane. They're so good. They're right on par with American Werewolf in London. Oh, yeah, because when the Evil Ed, like, transformation scene happens, I think while we were watching, I said it reminded me a lot of his character turning, like, transforming into the werewolf in that film. There's some super good effects. It's so funny, too, because I just, when we talked about Poltergeist, we just talked about how disappointing some of the effects were, but I guess it's on a different level because these are all practical. It's why you should do practical if you can they're more expensive but they hold up so much better and i think that was the problem in poltergeist is a lot of that stuff was not possible to do yeah they weren't practical effects possible like the stuff that they could do like the evil clown and the beast coming out of the closet and stuff like that looked really good but otherwise it looked like shit i like the way they did the makeup for i'm guessing what a vampire really looks like And then they keep cutting between Charlie and Jerry. And every time you cut back, he gets a little younger and a little more like sexy Jerry. I really liked um, that makeup effect. I think they did a really, really good job with it. And I like that they did do that where it wasn't like he looks exactly the same, but now he's got fangs and claws. They did the whole like kind of Buffy thing where where they like vamp out. Their faces look completely different and very creepy. Yeah, and I like that it wasn't just, he's scary, scary, all the way vampire, and then you cut back and he's back to normal. There's a nice, they do a lot of really good transitional makeup in this film, and you can see there's a lot of thought behind it, and a lot of really good craft behind it. Right, whereas in other films, I feel like they might get lazy with that and just cut back to completely without all of the makeup and prosthetics. Exactly. There's a lot of love and care in this movie, and you can really feel it. You can feel that everybody on screen is having a good time. You can feel that everyone behind the camera is having a really good time. I read something. It was talking about one of the reasons that this movie turned out to be so good was because whichever studio made it, they were really focused on a couple other pictures that were coming out at the time, so they completely left them alone. There was hardly any studio interference. Oh, that's good. So Tom Holland could basically have, like, complete creative control over this yeah exactly tom holland spider-man so spider-man made this movie for us before he was even born how nice of him anyways no the the director tom holland he's great he also did child's play 
I'm guessing you haven't seen Child's Play. No, Chucky creeps me out a lot. Chris Sarandon is also in that. Ooh, well now I've got to watch it. Tom Holland also did the Langoliers, which I think is really funny. Oh, like the Stephen King miniseries? I believe so. I believe from what I can remember, because I've never seen it, but I... The Langoliers is this weird one where they're like trapped in an airport. Oh, okay. He also directed a couple episodes and wrote a couple episodes for um, Tales from the Crypt. Ooh, that show used to scare me so bad when I was a kid. I know I watched it, but I don't think we watched it a lot. I don't know what channel it was on. The only thing I remember is when I was like six or seven, my dad was watching it at like midnight and I decided to be a little rebel and I like crawled out into the living room and I was watching it with him and he didn't know I was like laying by the couch and something scary happened and I started screaming (gasps) and he jumped up and started screaming too because he had no idea that I was there. Oh, I bet you scared the shit out of him. I did and he deserved it. Yeah, that show was creepy. I didn't like the, what was his name? The like Crypt Keeper guy. Did he have a name? Yeah, the Crypt Keeper. He scared the fuck out of me. He still scares me. I really love the Crypt Keeper because all he does is tells puns. So back to the plot. Apparently a pencil is also like the equivalent of a wooden stake, which I guess in a way makes sense. Yeah, any kind of wood going through you. Maybe that's why he has a live in Carpenter because he can't do any woodwork. If he gets a splinter, he'll die. (gasps) Oh my God. I don't know why, but that blew my mind. I pieced it together. Brilliant. (laughs) We finally cracked it, kids. It definitely injures him enough that he flees. And then Charlie's mom comes in. She was like, what's happening? Jerry is at his house and calls Charlie and pretty much threatens him. I think he just straight up says he's going to kill him. Does he call him and say he like destroyed his car too? Yeah, it must have been. Because I don't think you see him in his car for the rest of the movie. But he also says like he's going to hurt his family and friends. And he's got his bloody hand above that water. And his roommate Carpenter is like tending to his wound. Yeah, I remember that. Jerry hangs up and then Charlie like scans over in his room and sees the TV and sees the actor Peter Vincent is like, yep, that guy who plays a vampire killer, he must be a real vampire killer. I'm going to go find him. That would be the equivalent of me watching Grey's Anatomy and then getting diagnosed with a brain tumor and going, you know, I should really call Patrick Dempsey and see if he can operate on me. No wonder everyone thinks Charlie is so dumb. It's because he keeps acting so dumb. It's because he is so dumb. I think it's really funny because when he first confronts Peter Vincent at- Uh, they're at the lot, the studio lot. Peter Vincent thinks he's just like a fan. And then he's like, no vampires are real. You have to help me kill my neighbor. That was one of my favorite lines is I think Charlie goes, I believe in vampires. And he just goes, that's nice. While he's telling him his whole plan about how my neighbor is the vampire and we've got to do something about it. Could you imagine that this happened to you in real life? Someone came up to you and was just like, my neighbor is a vampire. Will you help me murder them? I think I'm such a people pleaser that I would be like, yes, let me help you come up with some sort of plan. I'm on board. What would you do in that situation? Would that be a call the cop situation if you saw someone like Charlie who was so mentally disturbed that you were worried they were actually going to hurt their neighbor? No, you never call the police on mentally ill people. The police will kill them. I would help Charlie. I don't know what you do in that situation. We get, I think, probably one of the funniest scenes in the movie, which is when he calls Amy and Evil over and they go up to his room. His room is more insane than what it is normally. It's covered in candles. There's garlic hanging from the windows. He looks like he's in a monastery. He's like making steaks. 
from his fence post. Oh, did you notice in that scene how Charlie is like very sweaty and shaky and just looks insane? Oh, he looks completely out of his mind. And I wonder if it's because he hasn't gotten any sleep. No, it's because the actor who played him had food poisoning and they made him do that scene still. What? Yeah, I read that last night. It was like, oh God, this poor kid. But no wonder he looked so miserable and sweaty and shaky and crazy. I mean, I feel bad he had food poisoning, but man, does that work for his character? It worked. It really added to it. I think this might be one of the only moments where Amy stops being irrational and is actually very calming. Oh, this is when we realize that Amy's a cool girl when she like rolls up on her Vespa. She's cool. Yeah, I like Amy now. I think she convinces Charlie that they're going to help him defeat the vampire essentially, right? Yeah, she's basically like, I don't know if she says they're going to go get Peter. I know that's what they end up doing is her and Evil go to his house. Yeah, they find him, but obviously Amy, like, talks him down and is like, yeah, we're on board. We'll go help you. We'll go find Peter Vincent and convince him to get on board, too. Oh, I really like that scene where they do go to his house just because of all the movie paraphernalia he's got. He has so much cool stuff. Yeah, his house was decorated very cool. I like all of the set designs for this movie. They were very fun. Peter Vincent reminds me a lot of Gilderoy Lockhart. Like a a fake it till you make it kind of guy? Yeah, where he's just very much into his persona. He's very much into the fame. And it's also a hint of like Sunset Boulevard. He's kind of like this actor who is past his prime, but he's living in his glory days. Except I guess he ha- he definitely has more bravery than Gildory Lockhart because he doesn't actually run away in the end. He actually stays and fights. Right, yeah, he's a huge part in finally defeating Jerry. I like his going from not believing Charlie to the moment where he realizes that Charlie was right the whole time. That scene is so funny. So after they finally convince, or actually they pay him, to go prove to Charlie that Jerry's not a vampire by having him drink this holy water, he sees that Jerry doesn't cast a reflection in the mirror, which is something that happened in one of his movies, how he realized someone was a vampire. And that's when it finally clicks for him. It's like, oh, holy shit, I can't see him in the mirror. I guess this has been real all the time. Oh no. But you do get another great scene of Jerry at his house, and that's him coming down the stairs and eating an apple because all he does is eats apples he's the most threatening vampire of all time he's the sexiest vampire of all time that is also true yeah also jerry gets real real creepy with amy amy 17 this guy is 30 plus however many eternal years he is it's uncomfortable well i guess jerry doesn't really have any morals being a vampire you don't have a soul so he probably doesn't care if he's a pedophile or not that's probably a good point yeah and i don't i don't know if they actually end up doing anything i think he just bites her i don't know that whole scene was very weird once he does kidnap amy and has got her in this trance that's a scene that i don't think would happen nowadays i do like how quickly they got the house cleaned up it looked like it was in shambles and now it's pretty pretty well that's why you hire a living carpenter how much do you think jerry helped him with that Mm, none he's too busy eating apples well he's also asleep for most of the day did you know that the guy who plays the familiar did you know he was in ellen's like tv show like her scripted tv show i know jeremy piven was in it he actually co-wrote ellen's coming out episode oh that's fun laura dern plays her like love interest in that episode and Oprah's on it. It's a really good episode, actually. I think you won an Emmy for it, for writing it. Oh, hey, would you like to hear some cast trivia while we're on the subject? Oh my god, yes I would. Tell me, tell me trivia. Okay, 
Stephen Jeffrey, the guy who plays Evil Ed, would you like me to read a couple projects that he did after Fright Night? Oh my god, yes. Okay, let's see. Let's find some good titles. Oh, are they all bad? Well, we've got one called Hole in the Wall. We've got this next one. Oh no. Is that like a dirty hole in the wall? This next one is called The Cockpit. Did he become a porn actor? Then we've got... Did he? Then we've got Latin Crotch Rockets. Oh my god, he became a porn actor? Oh my god, yes. We've got Just 18 and Gay. (laughs) Next we've got Hunk Hotel. And then there are several more. From 1993 until 2002, Stephen Jeffrey took the name Sam Ritter and became a gay porn actor for a decade. That's a long time. And he never did a Fright Night, like, spoof parody? Not that is listed on IMDb, which I was surprised all of this gay porn was listed on IMDb. I got so confused and so excited when I was reading through because I wanted to see him in other stuff because we liked him so so much in this movie that once it got to these i mean i guess there are things we can see him in we just have to uh dude i was so excited when i found all of this like how how did this happen yeah good for him you make that money so peter vincent realizes uh well i guess we should say jerry drinks the holy water nothing happens and i love that charlie is immediately that's not real holy water i know it and they're all like i can't believe it but as an audience member you're like Yeah, no, nothing they could have done could have convinced Charlie he wasn't a vampire because he saw him almost bite someone and he got super manhandled by this vampire and saw his real face. But again, it's that boy who cried wolf situation. The holy water didn't work because they called Jerry beforehand and said, we're just going to give you some tap water. We just need our friend to calm down and believe us. Is that what happened or did I misinterpret that? Yeah, that was pretty much it. That's why Jerry was, he just thought it was funny. So he was totally on board to do it. Okay, because otherwise he probably would have been like, I don't want you weirdos in my house. He thought it would mess with Charlie's head to do it. I mean, he knows Peter Vincent is an actor, so he knows that he doesn't have real holy water. I feel like it wouldn't be that hard to get a hold of holy water. You just need some water blessed by a priest. I mean, I'm sure if he was a real vampire hunter, he would have real holy water, but he's a TV vampire hunter. Doesn't stop Charlie from calling him. Charlie's a crazy person who is pushed over the edge by the reality of vampires. Yeah, that's fair. Poor Charlie. Yeah, so I guess the next thing that happens is them walking home because Charlie's car is... Is he just walking Amy home? Is that what is that what is happening? I assume so. I know he and Evil and Amy are all walking and Evil's like, hey guys, let's go down this dark, creepy alleyway. And he plays that stupid prank on Charlie. Yeah, it's gotta be that Charlie wants to walk Amy home to make sure she's safe because he's still freaked out. He's like, stay in the lights. We don't want to get attacked by a vampire. And Evil's like, nah, I'm gonna go down this dark alley and get eaten by a vampire bye i don't understand because at this point peter has said he didn't cast a reflection you're right he is a vampire but no one else believes charlie is it because they just didn't hear him admit this i mean he's an actor i think even if they did hear him they're not gonna believe him i'm guessing they just didn't hear him though and they didn't see it it's one of those things that i mean peter doesn't believe him until he actually sees it and the same thing with amy even though she's being entranced by him she doesn't really realize that he is actually 
actually a vampire until you get that cool dancing in the front of the mirror scene. Oh, that scene was really cool. I liked it a lot. I think it looks cool and also funny all at the same time because I just imagine them filming it. Just the part where she's like dancing alone. Yeah, where they're just like, all right, extra start dancing. All right, Amy, spin by yourself. Oh, yeah, that's sad. She's probably going to have to do several takes of that, too. She's going to have to do it alone and with that actor. Yeah, we'll talk about that dance scene because that dance scene is pretty dirty. It's a pretty dirty dancing scene. Oh, literally. It reminded me a lot of Dirty Dancing. Yeah, so Evil decides to go down the dark alley and, of course, automatically gets chased by Jerry the vampire. Oh, yeah. Is that the scene where every time he turns around, he's like at the opposite end of the alley and he just can't get away from him? Yeah, he gets to a dead end and Jerry is nice enough to be like, you want to be a vampire with me? And he's like, people stop being mean to me. Okay. And then Evil becomes who he truly was always meant to be. The absolute best vampire that you could ever ask for. He's nuts. And then from Ed, he turns his attention back to Charlie and his weird 17-year-old future vampire bride. This is the part where they are trying to get away from Jerry, so they go into this dance club. They go in through the kitchen window, and while they're running through the dance club to escape Jerry, Ed shows up at Peter's door, fakes being in trouble so that Peter will let him in, and then, oh, surprise, surprise! Ed is actually a vampire and Peter just invited him in. I think Peter handles himself pretty well in this scene though because we've got him with the cross and he like, oh shit, what's it called when they like do that thing to the cows? What? The, you know. Oh, Brand. Yeah. Brand. Okay. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean do what to the cows? You know, slaughter. God. Yeah, you like Brand's only. Is it because he's not the main vampire? Later when they go to confront Jerry, when Peter has the crucifix, it doesn't work against him because he doesn't have faith. Right. And they have that line that it's because he doesn't have faith, but he's already seen evil turn into this vampire. So he knows that they're real. Why would he be doubting that Jerry is one as well at this point? Maybe it's not that he's a vampire, but he doubts the power the crucifix has. But that also doesn't really track because he fucks up Ed with it. But maybe it's because Ed is such a young vampire. Because he's used it against a vampire. Yeah, it must be like he's he's like an alpha vampire it doesn't affect him as much it's like that that kind of rule doesn't apply to him it's like in Anne Rice's vampire stuff when you get to like the queen of the damned they talk about how the older you are as a vampire the stronger you are so like the oldest vampires can go in the sun and it doesn't affect them oh wow I digress (laughs) we were talking about the brand the cows what happens to the cows oh yeah no we talked about that already I think we were at the club. Time for the dance scene that goes on for way too long. Yeah, it was like a fourth of the movie. They should have edited this down. It had to have been at least like 10, 15 minutes for us in this club. Just never ended. They sneak in. They're trying to lose Jerry, but then he finds Amy in the crowd. They do their whole sexy dance number. Then we've got Jerry like fighting with these security guards. So much happens in this club. Can I just say, Jerry is 
It's another instance of not him just showing himself, but another instance of how he's bad about being a vampire. Because all he has to do is, I mean, he literally just looks at Amy and she's ready to just walk off with him. But he's like, no, we have to have this very, very long dance sequence. Maybe he just has been so secluded for so long that he was taking this opportunity to go clubbing. The scene happens for half of my life. And then you get the mirror scene, which is fun and cool. At the same time, Charlie's on the phone because he's calling Peter, trying to convince him since he knows that Jerry is a vampire to help him. That's why he's calling him, right? I think so. Yeah. And he's basically like, if you don't help us, we're all going to die. Yeah. He guilt trips him and he guilt trips him later after the scene ends and he actually like goes to see him in person. Well, I get it at this point because he's right. If they don't do something, these teens are going to die. Which they really did just drag this poor old man into it. Poor Peter Vincent. All he wants to do is play a vampire hunter. Get a little attention. And he can't even do that anymore because you learn when Evil and Amy go get him that he got fired. That's why he jumps at this opportunity to get the $500 saving bond from Amy. Do you know why I wrote under the dancing scene in my notes just butts? Did they just touch butts a lot? Oh, no, that is. That's exactly. Yes, that's exactly what it is. When they're having their dance, Jerry grabs Amy's hand and like slides it down to his own butt. And it was just very weird. So Jerry uh, takes Amy and escapes the club with her after frightening many people and everyone else running out in a panic. Charlie gets off the phone and then sees them dancing and then that's when the shenanigans happen because he goes to try to find them and break them up. Yeah, in my notes, I literally just have the sentence, she kiss vamp, Charlie punch him, and I don't know what it means. Oh, that's right, I forgot that happened. So he does, he gets up to them to kind of rub it in Charlie's face because Charlie's trying to pull Amy away from him. He's pretty much like, he pulls her face to him and she like makes out with him and then he goes to punch him and Jerry catches it. Okay, because I couldn't remember and I assumed even if he did punch him it wouldn't have even phased him. No. And then that's when the chaos happens because I think he throws him back. I think he hurts some people, right? Like I feel like he slashes somebody, right? Yeah. They're having this big fight and he like throws Charlie and the two security guys come over and he kills one of them in front of everyone so his low profile is blown completely and now everyone in the club knows he's at least a murderer yeah and so he escapes with Amy and pretty much tells Charlie that if he wants to see Amy alive again he will grab Peter and they'll be at his house before dawn he kidnaps Charlie and Amy he just kidnaps Amy and then Charlie's the one who has to go to Peter and then he gives him the guilt trip to help him because you know peter doesn't help then everybody will die okay i don't know why i thought that he kidnapped charlie too i think it's because because when they go back to the house he ends up taking charlie and throwing him in the room with amy and locking the door right and then peter ends up like breaking down the door so he's like charlie make as much noise as you can so that no one hears me break this door down yeah i'm trying to remember the exact events that happen once he convinces peter and they show up outside of jerry's house with the prop kit and the gun and they go into the house because i 
I'm trying to remember what happens, but I know Peter ends up going next door to get Charlie's mom to, like, tell her to, like, wake up or get her out of the house because she's in danger. Oh, and then Evil is pretending to be the mom. Yeah, he's got that raggedy Ann hair on. Oh, he looks worse for wear. He looks like he's been through a lot. No, I thought that was a really funny choice that he decided to put, like, a raggedy Ann wig on and Peter didn't question it. Like, I know he's never met Charlie's mom, but that's not human hair. That's yarn. You get the scene with Ed attacking Peter and then Ed turning into a wolf and then Peter stabbing. Oh yeah, he takes like part of the like banister of the stairs or something. Oh, it's, he gets pushed back onto a random table that's in the hallway and it breaks and he's got a chair leg and then Wolfie jumps at him and he's got it in front of him so he, he gets stabbed and then hits the fancy chandelier that Charlie's mom has. What does Charlie's mom do? Because she's working nights. Is she a nurse? I don't know. I assumed it was either like a nurse or she worked at like a 24-7 diner or something that like you would have to be working late for. Yeah, so you get a very, very cool visual scene of evil turning from a wolf back into a human. Yeah, I think this was my favorite scene in the movie. It looked awesome. It's so cool. It's really long, but unlike the dirty dancing scene, I was okay with this one being so long. Right, just because how interesting it looks visually. Yeah, they do a lot of really, really cool things with this scene. I would say I know very little about practical effects and makeup, so there's a lot of things that I I want how they actually did it because it's really cool yeah i have no idea and then he's dead and naked on the floor and peter just leaves and for the rest of the movie all i could ask riley was what is charlie's mom gonna do when she gets home and there is a naked dead child on her floor especially because she doesn't believe him about all of this vampire stuff she's just going to think that charlie finally had a mental break and murdered his friend yeah oh my gosh yeah well shit i didn't even think about that yeah he's going to to end up in some sort of psych ward. How does evil survive? Because they do that tease at the very end where he's like in the neighbor's house and you hear the laugh, but how? I don't know. And I know they made a sequel and I think they made a third one. There were a bunch of like comic tie-ins and there's a video game and a bunch of stuff it looked like. This movie must have been crazy popular. I don't know that it was because I hadn't heard of it up until the remake came out. Maybe it was just really popular for like when it came out. Actually, I think I did read that, that it was like the second highest grossing or maybe the first highest grossing movie of 85 like horror movie at least because i think one of the nightmare on elm street ones came out too they had about a nine million dollar budget and they made 25 million that's a nice chunk of change oh damn they did pretty well good for them no, I wonder if it was just maybe he didn't get him in the heart, so he ended up surviving. I don't know. I'm under, like, Buffy logic for vampires where if you stake them, they just turn into dust. So I kind of was suspicious. Yeah, very true, very true. There's not a for sure way to tell. Right. Oh, we did forget to talk about, and I guess we kind of already talked about how we didn't like it, but the weird turning Amy into a vampire scene. It was too sensual for me. Didn't like that. It's way too sensual knowing that she is 17. Even if she's 18, she's still in high school. But again, Jerry doesn't care. He's a vampire. He doesn't have a soul. He's going to hell regardless. They also linger... for a long time on this scene too. Yeah, it's like they really wanted me to be uncomfortable. They just really want you to ship them. It didn't work. God, it's like pretty little liars all over again when they kept dating all their teachers. It's like they're 17. Stop dating these 25 year olds. Yeah, that's weird. We get Charlie and Peter back inside of Jerry's house. 
And the entire time I have been thinking that Billy, this roommate guy, is just a normal human. But then Peter shoots him in the head and he falls down. But he gets right back up. They think he's dead. They turn around. And then he he full on Michael Myers like just torso up and like turns and then gets up and goes after them. I'm like, oh no. Yeah, and visually his death is crazy. He's like melting and turning into this green like slime. You know what it reminded me of? No, what? It reminded me of Trolls 2. <gasps> oh my god. You're right. That looks a lot like the like goop that they turn into. I mean, these movies have to be in the same universe. It's the only explanation. He was a goblin. Oh, that must mean that they're in Nilbog? Is that what the name of the town is? Yeah, Goblin Backwards. This movie that seemingly is about trolls is actually about goblins. Oh my god! What were we even talking about? Uh, we were talking about Billy's death scene. So Charlie's got his, like, fence post that he's made into a stake, and he stabs him. He stabs him in the chest like a vampire. Instead of turning to dust, he turns to goo. Well, if they kill him like that, is that implied that he's been a vampire this entire time? Or that Jerry has turned him very recently to help him fight these teenagers? No, I think Billy has probably been with him for a while. I don't think he's a vampire. I think he's some sort of other supernatural creature, but I'm not sure what kind of monster he is. Well, speaking of people that did get turned into a vampire very recently, we have got, in my opinion, the scariest part of the movie. Amy's a vampire now, and she is fucking terrifying. She got that long flowing hair, though. She got that, like, Little Mermaid hair, but curly. It does look a lot better than her perm throughout the rest of the movie. Her 80s perm. I like her flowy red hair. She does look a bit like Ariel. If Ariel were the scariest vampire in the sea. She's all Bride of Dracula-ified. She's ready to to fuck you up, man. She looks cool, but she looks very scary. There were a couple times after we watched this movie that I ended up waking up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, and I had to kind of consider it. I was like, eh, Vampire Amy could be out there in the dark, and she could kill me. I might just have to hold it. She's a brand new vamp. Is that why they were able to save her in time? Because even though the sun was kind of up, she hadn't drank any human blood? Maybe that was why. Oh, maybe. Okay, yeah. So they did give this weird detail that if they kill Jerry before sunrise, that Amy does not permanently stay a vampire. Because I guess for some reason, if you kill the sire or whatever, it just reverses it. It's gotta be that. Well, they killed him pretty much at sunrise. Yeah, yeah. It's gotta be a combination of both. Because evil was full on vampire, and I bet he probably ate somebody. I'm sure that was the first thing he did. That dude was crazy. No, but yeah, dumbass Jerry didn't keep enough track of time. All of his clocks start going off, and he's like, oh shit, I gotta go get in my coffin. He is the worst. But yeah, he doesn't seem to be very good at doing things he means to do. Like, he's like, I gotta keep myself a secret. Show everybody in the club. I gotta keep a track on the time. Ah, it's up. Gotta stop being a dick and eating all these apples, and he's eating all these apples all the time. I think I've been watching way too much What We Do in the Shadows because when they eat human food, they like violently throw up blood. (laughs) So I was just waiting for it to happen. But yeah, what you were saying, Jerry does not keep a good track of the time. Does he ever wear a watch? Not that I noticed. He's got his cool like vampire ring, but I don't think he has anything else on. It would serve him well to just have a wristwatch also. It doesn't go with his outfits. Oh, you're right. Doesn't work with those turtlenecks. Those sexy, sexy turtlenecks. No, he's a fashion vampire. No, he's a fruit bat vampire. (laughs) He's got a lot of different layers to him. Eventually, Charlie and Peter start breaking all the windows and they get all of the sunlight in. Is that how they ultimately defeat Jerry? 
He, like, kind of attacks him as the bat. He finally gets downstairs into, or almost into his coffin. Or, yeah, into his coffin. And they get him out. And I think that is how he dies. They finally, like, break enough of the windows and walls. Yeah, I think it's the sunlight that just kills him. Yeah, because they keep throwing things at the windows because this basement is just glass walls. So many windows. Right, and they didn't board it up. They just painted black paint onto the windows. So now we can just break them and kill him. So lazy. They break enough and get enough sunlight in that just one big beam comes in and like shoots him at the wall. R.I.P. Jerry. Rest in peace, you sexy apple-eating bitch. And Amy survives. She's not a vampire anymore. Amy's fine. She's got her permy hair back. I wish they would have left that alone. Why did her hair turn red? Do you think her natural shade is red and she just dyes her hair brunette? Why would she dye it such an ugly shade and give it a perm? (laughs) Because it's the 80s. God, Jerry was really just trying to help. Oh, and we get a nice happy ending where Charlie and Amy finally get to bone in peace. Or do they? Yeah, we get that little hint that evil might be alive. And then, yep, then it goes to black and we get some some, uh, credits. Yeah, and that's the whole movie. That's it. That's the whole movie. So final overall thoughts? I liked it. It was fun. There were a couple of scenes that ran on a little long, like the dance scene. The dance butt scene. It was a good scene. I enjoyed it, but it definitely could have been half the time. Yeah, that scene, the scene where he like changes Amy goes on for a little too long too. Otherwise, I really liked it. It was fun. I think it is a really good Halloween movie. I'm definitely going to add it into my rotation of spooky movies that I watch in October. Yeah, I really like this movie. It's a lot of fun. It's one of those movies that has a really good rewatch value to it. Like, it's just so much fun. You could just watch it over and over and over again. Yeah, really good for a group setting, like a movie night or something. Yeah, because it's a simple vampire story, so you don't honestly really need to pay that much attention to. So I feel like it's a good movie to have on maybe during a party or if your friends are very distracted like ours are. Yeah, it's not too convoluted, not too complicated. It's a good time. Good old fun vampire fun. So I guess we'll go ahead and do our our ratings. So I guess we'll start with the horror struck rating. So on a scale of one to 10, how horror struck did this movie make you? I'm going to say four out of 10 gay vampires. Did you say four? Four. Yeah. Amy scared the shit out of me. Oh, okay. It was literally only her that bumps it up. The special effects in this movie are great. Amy, I'm afraid is going to get me at any moment. She's so scary. She doesn't look that much different, but she's terrifying. Her whole face is teeth. What do you mean? she doesn't look that different oh wait never mind you're right amy's scary as fuck dude my brain wasn't thinking (laughs) yeah it's like that with the like yellow contacts no that's normal you don't have that many teeth i've got like six teeth what do you mean what was your rating Uh, it's pretty low it's like a one this movie doesn't really scare me not even amy amy's like creepy but i think amy in a way for me is the makeup is just so impressive that sometimes it takes away some of the scare factor because i i just want to see them put her makeup on no my problem with that is that i have a hard time disconnecting the actor from the character like i know that that is tim curry in it and pennywise isn't real yeah but it doesn't look like tim curry it looks a lot like tim curry really yeah i still can't disconnect it but i know it's him like i look at it and i see oh yeah that's tim curry but i hate it 
what would you say overall, the film altogether? Your score is one to five, so how much did you like the movie? I would give it probably a four. I liked it. I'm definitely going to watch it again. I thought it was a good time. Yeah, I would probably give this like an 8.5. It's very good, very enjoyable. It would probably do higher if the dance scene was shorter and the awkward 17-year-old thing was shorter. Right, like if it weren't for those few scenes. Yeah, it'd be pretty close up there to the top. Very well done, well-crafted movie. Yeah, do you wanna do you wanna introduce our weekly consumption? No, I want you to because I chose this movie. So since it is October, Riley and I have decided that we actually are gonna pick all our Halloween movies together that we'll be watching this month. Um, besides Fright Night, which is what Riley chose. So we've decided for next week we're gonna stick along this train of fun horror and we're gonna watch the original Creep Show. This movie came out in 1982. It is an anthology. Um, It's directed by George A. Romero, and it's written by Stephen King. And it is very good. I have seen it before. Riley, have you seen this before? Nope. I have never seen it. I was always very afraid of the cover, so I never looked into anything about it. I honestly know absolutely nothing about it other than the Stephen King and George A. Romero were involved and that it is an anthology series. I think like Leslie Nielsen is in it. I think otherwise I don't know anything at all about it. I think you're really going to like this. I hope so. Do you think it's going to scare me? Well, now I feel like it's hard for me to judge whether whether something would scare you. You didn't think I was going to be that afraid of Amy. Amy is scary. You are wrong. And I thought you'd be more scared of Poltergeist before I rewatched it. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, I guess this wasn't as scary as I thought it was. It does have some good special effects, so I think I think either way, if you're scared or not, I think you'll have a good time. The stories are pretty good. All right. I'm looking forward to watching it, especially because it's something that I've been avoiding for my entire life. Yeah, this film is very homage to, like, old co- horror comics, so it'll, it'll be fun. Some good visuals, good stories. I think you're going to enjoy it. Very good choice for our October month. Very, very atmospheric and very good for a nice Halloween watch. Yeah, and I know we've got some even spookier stuff coming up in October that I'm not looking forward to. No, there's also something that I... I don't know if it'll scare me, but I know as a kid it scared me. So this will be interesting rewatch for something coming up in a couple weeks. And then our last pick of the month is going to be interesting because I'm not a fan and you haven't seen it. So we'll we'll see what kind of conversation comes out of that. I hope that I really like it and we can just argue about it the whole time. You're wrong. No, you're wrong. That'll be fun because we've agreed on most stuff. Well, the nice thing too is when we do disagree, we tend to understand the other person's perspective. Maybe I'll just be completely nonsensical and argue for no reason. That'll be good. Yeah, that'll be fun. All right, horror fans. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to hear more from us, you can head on over to Facebook. We're also on Twitter. You can find us at HorrorStruckPod. All right, horror fans. Until next time, remember, stay spooky. Bye. Bye.